morning, everyone. <clears throat> now, we didn't totally finish up everything from last week, but it's okay because I'm going to touch upon it this week in here. So I can, if you have your handout from last week, that might help us later. You notice on this week, it's, we're looking at Daniel 9.27, the 70th week. <clears throat> but uh, on the, there's a supplement on the back of that, which is an attempt to answer a question that was uh, made last week, and that was accompanied by a firm threat, it's going to be asked again. You all heard that. So I sat home in my study, shaking all week. So I, I went after this. <laughs> so here, here's the answer as best as I can come up with. Legitimate question. What's that? I wanted to start off with, with, the, with the only answer that I can verify. And that is the only answer that is verified in Scripture is that we are not given a reason for his choice of 70 weeks versus 490 years because there is no statement to this in Scripture. So, okay, that's one thing we know for sure. Now, however, one possible answer, and that's all I could come up with, is to remind the nation Israel of their continuous rebellion against the God who brought them out of the land of Egypt, a term you hear over and over and over again throughout the Old Testament. I am the God of, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who have brought you out of the land of Egypt. I mean, that's consistent throughout the Old Testament. Now, <clears throat> it starts, and believe it or not, it, my answer here to what it possibly is, it, it's actually tied in with the Sabbath. So let's look at the commandments concerning the Sabbath. Well, number one, I'm not going to turn to all these passages, but number one, it is the fourth commandment. That's Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. You know what? Let's go back there. Let's go back to Exodus now that I think about it. It's, we better take it, get the, the book of Exodus chapter 20. We'll start there. Because most of my... Rationale for this is in Exodus and Leviticus. Okay. <clears throat> Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember, this is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do, and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God, in it you shall, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or your female servant or your, your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For Why? This is the reason. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and, that, and, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what does that have to do with 70 weeks? Well, let's keep moving. Uh, Exodus 23, verses 10 to 11. And you shall sow your land for six years and gather its yield. But on the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, so that the needy of your people may eat, and whatever they leave, the, the beasts of the field may eat. You are to do the same with your vineyard 
and your olive grove. So every seventh year, don't replant, don't plow up the ground, just let everything rest. Let everything rest. Now, <clears throat> let's look now to Leviticus 26. A book I'm sure we all spend many hours in. It, it is, there's some, definitely some interesting parts in here, that's for sure. It's surprising how much of it applies to today, too. 26 verses 1 to 13. You shall not make for yourselves idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar, nor shall you place a, a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths, plural, and, re- and reverence my sanctuary, I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments so as to carry them out. Then I shall give you your rains and their seasons. And essentially, he's going to go on and say, if you follow my instructions, if you keep my commandments, if you follow the Sabbath, he lists all the blessings that will follow. Now, let's pick it up in verse 11. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, so you should not be their slaves, and I broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. Now, you get to the next portion here, it's all the punishments for disobedience. Let's look at verses 14 through 18 to start with. But if you do not obey me and do not carry out these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes, and if your soul abhors my ordinances so as not to carry out my commandments, and so break my covenant, I in turn will do this to you. I will appoint over you a sudden terror, consumption, and fever that shall waste away the eyes and cause the soul of, to pine away. Also, you shall sow your seed uselessly, for your enemies shall eat it up. <clears throat> And I will set my face against you so that you shall be struck down before your enemies and those who hate you shall, will, will, you, shall, you shall rule and over you and you shall flee when no one is pursuing you. In other words, you're going to be paranoid. If after all these things you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. That's a key term there. Seven times more for your sins. Let's pick it up in verse 21. If then you act with hostility against me and you're unwilling to obey me, I will increase the plague on you seven times according to your sin. Look at verse 24. Then if I act with hostility against you, and I, even I, will strike you seven times for your sin. Verse 28. Then I will act wrathfully hostility against you. I, even I, will punish you seven times for your sins. And now verse, pick it up in verse 33. You, however, I will scatter among the nations. I will draw out a sword after you, and your land becomes desolate, and your cities become waste. Then the land will enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of desolation while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land will rest and enjoy its Sabbaths, and all the days of the desolation will observe the rest which it did not observe on your Sabbath while you were living in it. Okay. 
And one more. Verse uh, 40 to 46, Leviticus. 26 also. If they confess their... Now, here, here, there's always the other side of the coin. If they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their forefathers and their unfaithfulness, which they committed against me, and also in their acting with hostility against me, I also acting with hostility against them to bring them into the land of their enemies and of their uncircumcised heart becomes humbled so that they, they then make amends for their iniquity. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob, and I will remember also my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham as well. And I will remember the land, for the land shall be abandoned by them and shall make up for its Sabbaths while it was being desolate without them. They, meanwhile, shall be making amends for their iniquity because they rejected my ordinances. And, 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 and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them, nor will I abhor them as to destroy them, breaking my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. You know, that's an extremely important point right there. Because there's people in the church, church folk, that believe that it's, it's what they call replacement theology, where the church replaced Israel. It did not. It did not. If the church replaced Israel, God would have to apologize to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob for breaking the covenant that he established. And he does not do that. Okay? So, and right there he says, I do not do that. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's an extremely important point there. But, verse 45, But I remember for them the covenant of their ancestors, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations, that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes and the ordinances and laws which the Lord established between himself and the sons of Israel through Moses at Mount Sinai. Now, <clears throat> here you have a situation where for years, for decades, centuries, the nation just continually was at, just read the Old Testament, the story of the Old Testament. They were in constant, constant rebellion, constant rebellion, over, over and over. God was always correcting. I mean, there's very... Very few places in Scripture where they were doing well, spiritually speaking. And so <clears throat> you go back here and you read this, and this is early on. This is Leviticus. This is the law. This is Moses, right? And, and, he's, and they're telling him, you know, you, you do this, there's a price to pay out there. All right? Well, they did it, and there's a price to pay. And the ba- Babylonian captivities was one of those prices they were paying for their abandonment of God. Um, it's interesting, God calls it their rejection of him, they became enemies of him. Now let's compare all of that with Daniel 9. I hope it makes sense so far. may not answer the question yet, but I hope it at least makes sense what I'm saying, and you see what the pattern here the Lord was teaching them. Daniel chapter 9 In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of of Median descent, who was made king over the kingdom of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, observed in in the books the number of years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. 
So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And if you want to read a tremendously powerful prayer where a man of God prays and confesses the sin of himself and his nation, read Daniel, read this portion. It's tremendous, tremendous portion of scripture. Now, what Daniel was referring to, we can find in Jeremiah 29.10 and 2 Chronicles 36. We won't go there, but it's, it's here in the notes. And now moving forward in Daniel 9, and thinking back to everything that was said about the price to be paid and how things must be reconciled according to Leviticus 26. But one day, remember, Leviticus 26 also made it clear those things will be reconciled because God said, for I am the Lord your God. So he is, the Lord himself is going to make it right. Okay? So Daniel 9.24. 70 weeks. Those heptads. 70 heptads. 70 weeks. That's weeks of years. Remember, a heptad is a week of years. And again, I like to compare it to our week, our, our week, our word, dozen, which means 12. Okay, it's that kind of a word. So 70 heptads, if you want, you could put in there, have been decreed for your people and for your holy city. And here's what it's turned, we, we've been through this, I'm only going to mention it today. What is the reason for those 70 weeks of years? otherwise known as 490, um, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, okay, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy, and it, by implication the most holy place. So all of those things are going to be accomplished by the time the 70 weeks of years, those 490-year period, is completed. And we know from our study so far, and we're looking at it again, that, um, that, that the weeks will be completed at the second coming of Christ. And then when they moves, then Israel then moves into their... What we call the millennium, that thousand-year reign, which is the establishment of the kingdom that has been promised to the nation ever since the Abrahamic covenant. It's interesting to note, though, without without saying so, in those uh, creation, we, uh, the week, so unnamed, was set up. Six days of creation, and on the seventh, rested. In biblical numerology, which one must, one must take with an extremely large grain of salt. <laughs> okay, because so much is, oh, that number, and then go running crazy with it, um, <clears throat> is often viewed as the number of completion. You know, um, six, like, misses, misses the mark. You know, seven is complete, six, you know, close but no cigar, you know? <laughs> so, and, uh, Anyhow, no, where we are now in terms of this flow of biblical history and these 70 weeks, there is a gap of time 
that exists between week 69 and week 70. That's where we are today. We're in that undetermined gap of time. It's, it's unstated. Okay? We're going to go into that uh, today somewhat, and next time we'll be talking about that as well. But number one, did that answer the question? That's as best as I can do. Well, for sure, we know at, at the very least the point our Lord was making with Peter is, you know, it's not like, I know what he wasn't saying. He wasn't making that a literal statement like, if somebody wrongs you, you forgive them 490 times, and 491, forget it. <laughs> That's you know, The point he was making is, you forgive as, as, off, as much as you are wronged. That's how, there's no limit to it, really. It does get in, again, it's that use of seven and 70, I mean, 70 years captivity, you know, it's, it's that, I think it's the seven thing, it's that, and 70 years, your, you know, captivity period will be complete, and then back into the land you, you may go. Okay, now, flip it over to where it says the 70th week, part 3, Daniel 9.27. And here's where we're going to start talking about what's between week 69 and 70 as well. And that will take us back to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. I'm going to pick it up in verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will be with a flood. Even even to the end there will be war. Desolations are determined. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering and on the on the wing of the abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate that's say that fast five times in a row that's that's a bona fide tongue twister there now the 70th week, I want, I've, I've said this before, but I make, the, make it perfectly clear, as one president used to say. The 70th week is the seven-year tribulation period. Okay? However, there is, there is a gap between the 69th and 70, or verse 26 and verse 27. There's an unspecified gap of time. Now, within this gap between week 69 and 70 are, for example, because remember it says right there, there the, you've got the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. That's soon after the, the first 69 is completed. You have the, and following that, you have the ascension of Jesus Christ back into heaven, which he spoke to his disciples about at the Last Supper. I'm 
going to go home. I'm going back. I'm going back. Um, and just prior to that. And then you have the church age. The church, which began on the day of Pentecost, you can read that in Acts chapter 2, and ends with the rapture of the church, and you can read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. It's, I, I find it interesting, when you, when you get into prophetic or apocalyptic type language, they don't always make it real easy. But let, no, they really don't. Let's go, let me go back. That's a, it's a fair question, believe me. Let's go back to verse 25. So you ought to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Total of 69. Okay. It will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. That takes care of that first seven. That's Ezra and Nehemiah, that time period. Then after the 62 weeks, which follows the seven weeks. Is this clearing up at all? See? After the 62 weeks, which follows the seven weeks, then... You're going to get, then Messiah will be cut off. That's our Lord and Savior. And that's referring to the crucifixion. Messiah will be cut off. And that term means like executed, slaughtered, killed. You know, it it's, refers to that. You can see that in the notes. I think that might be the part one notes. Now, <clears throat> did that... That helped. So what I'm saying, between the week 69 and week 70, I'm adding the two together, 7 and 62, 69, and then there's only one week unaccounted for, and we pick it up here in verse 27 of Daniel 9. And that's consistent in both Old and New Testament. That's consistent in both Old and New Testament in a number of ways, too, which we'll get into when we get into that uh, some more. There was a decree given in, in the Old Testament to uh, by one of the, there's four possibilities. I, I don't have my notes for that one, but I believe it was the, the fourth one. Well, what are the, they gave the decree from the giving of the tree to, to go back. And the key to that one, why I picked the fourth one, I think it was Artaxerxes. I don't have my note with me. Where he gave the decree, okay, there was four given. The, the original by Cyrus. Yeah, you can go back. And then it was restated. Yeah, go on back. No fine. No problem. I'm good with that. And another one. Yeah, go back. Go ahead. And some people started going back. And then the fourth one was, yeah, go ahead, go back, and you've got my blessing, if you will, to go ahead, rebuild your city and rebuild the walls and everything. That's why I picked that fourth decree, because it's so specific to what's being said here. You know, that that's what's going to happen. And then you'd go the time frame from that, which I think is around 445 B.C., which is pretty good since I can't remember half my kids' birthdays. But anyway, for, but you, get, you know, ancient history, the dates, you know. So 445 B.C., you move that forward, you know, and it brings you, however you want to calculate it, it for, I can at least say this, it brings you right into the time of the ministry of Christ. 
That's at the first 69, yes. I'm trying to figure out the seven. Oh, the first seven? Okay, okay, those first seven would be what took place back in the land as described in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. The actual rebuilding of the wall, rebuilding of the city, rebuilding of the temple. Pretty close to it. I mean, that's where they were, got a good start on it. And it said, it, and there would be trouble involved in that. You can read all about the trouble in Ezra and Nehemiah. <laughs> always, always trouble. Trouble, trouble everywhere. Israel has never existed without trouble. Today is the same way. Trouble all around them. Now, the judgments of the tribulation period are described in, and they're described in some Old Testament passages as well. We might go through these, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, through, from between Revelation, Revelation chapter 6 through 20, verse 2, there, if you want to know what goes on during that tribulation period, Read that. You know. Um, and then move, let's just go back to Daniel 9. Daniel 9. <clears throat> I got to pick it up in verse 26 to make, this is just kind of like an overview. But, uh, and remember, the whole purpose is to, to make everything right, bring an end of sin. And so when you look at the tribulation period itself, you have to, we have to understand that what's going on in there, yes, there's judgment upon the earth. There's judgment upon the world going on right there. That's not final judgment by any stretch of the imagination, but there is judgment going on. It's also a time of purging for the nation, Israel, also. And it will also be a time mixed in that of great revival. So there's all kinds of things going on there, all kinds of things. Uh, like I say, I'll probably do at least one Sunday and just do like a flyover of the judgments of the tribulation just to give you a flavor of what's going on and why Jesus said this is a time like the world has never, ever seen, okay, because it is, it's huge. Because a lot of people try to say, oh, that was all completed in 70 A.D. <laughs> not hardly. <laughs> not, not the body counts you're going to get in, in Revelation. No way. There's no way that was in any time. And there's been some, some ugly times in, in world history. But nothing like what's coming. I'm telling you, nothing like what's coming. All right. Verse 26. Then after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The people of the prince that is to come. That's not Messiah the prince. This is Prince Small P. This is the Antichrist. The prince of the people who is to come. He, that's the he. Remember, that's the he. That's that little horn of Daniel 7. That little horn, the little horn with the big mouth. That's him. That's the Antichrist. He will come. Or actually, the prince of, it's referring to him, the prince and the people. Now, who are the people of the prince who will come? We've got to go back to that very interesting, Daniel even said so two or three times. What is it, Daniel said, what is it about that fourth nation, that fourth kingdom, remember? The people 
of the prince that will come. See, there's part of this has actually already been fulfilled. Remember what happened? Anybody remember? None of us were there, but uh, historically speaking, does anybody remember the historical event that took place in 70 A.D.? Yeah. And who did it? Romans. Rome. That's that fourth kingdom. That's that fourth kingdom. And remember we see that fourth kingdom in two parts? So it's going to be like, for lack of a better term, when we move it forward, like now, almost 2,000 years, and who knows how far out the tribulation period is to start, we don't know. All this, this whole thing could start tomorrow. It could start two, three hundred years from now. Who knows? It's all, it's, it's God's timing. There is a date out there that God has on his calendar. It's going to start. And no matter what we do or don't do, it's starting on that day. That's his sovereign plan. You can't do anything good or bad to change it. <laughs> it's, going, it's going to happen when he has already predetermined the day in which it will happen. All right? So, um, <clears throat> I always have to laugh at some of these folks here on the radio and TV uh, who I hardly ever listen to anymore. Say, well, you don't do this to help bring the Lord back. No, you're not going to help bring anything back. <laughs> you're going to bring anything back. What you want to do is be obedient to God. Do that. And then the Lord has got his time frame, and he'll, 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 he'll make sure it happens, with or without us. To me, that's a good motivation to serve God as his people. God's going to bring about his plan. You want to be part of it or not? You want to get in there with it or not? You know? I would say if you don't want to, maybe you should examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith, as Paul would say. You know? But, anyhow, I digress. Now, that prince of the people come to destroy and its end will become with a flood, even to the, now, no, even to the end. Spreading out, there will be war. Desolations, plural, are determined. Think back from 70 A.D. or even before, but just start there. From, the, from that time on, has there ever been a peace and calm with the Jewish people? Ever? Anywhere in the world? Hey, they've even been persecuted here in the United States to a lesser extent than anywhere else but you know they were there was a, they've had to put up with a lot of jokes vile speech in places like you know New York even LA you know cities where they were always chided for being crooked thievery because they were they've always been a very industrious successful people wherever they went and they kind of that works on the uh, worst side of human nature, jealousy, see? And um, so they turn it into an ethnic thing. But anyway, <clears throat> that's all part of the desolations. I mean, some of our most recent history, you go back to the, uh, the Holocaust under Nazism. You've got the persecution under communism. Oh, and then there's our good friends in the Middle East, you know, who uh, they persecute every chance they get. They don't much care for Christians either, by the way, but um, nor did the 
nor did the Nazis or communists either, by the way. I know some try to make a, a, a Lutheran out of Hitler. No, it doesn't work. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. No, that, that one, that, that dog won't hunt. Anyway, <clears throat> again, so he's that little horn that he, when it comes, the, he's going to make um, desolations are determined, verse 27, and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week. That's the way we, we move, it's just bouncing history. It's just bouncing over. And that's where you kind of really have to pay close. That's where prophecy is its most difficult because you, you, you're given just, just enough information to understand it, but yet at the same time, so little information is very easy to get confused. Extremely easy. You know, how many times I've had to read this stuff over and over and over and over again and then read through commentaries where they were kind of stumbling and stammering on print worse than I am here, you know. <laughs> it's, it can get confusing. It's very confusing. That would be the prince of the people would be the people within that prince's nation. And that nation, when it all started, was Rome. And as we can see by looking, looking back to Daniel 2, Daniel 7, where you see that fourth empire, it's always given in two pieces. It's that second piece that's going to show up, which is kind of like a revitalized form of that empire, uh, that's going to be the empire of the Antichrist in the tribulation period. That is that nation to come. And that's, that, that's like the uh, toes on the feet of the statue. Okay? Um, <clears throat> that's, that's like the second form of that big iron monster described in Daniel 7. Okay, that's, that's a kingdom parable, but it would, I, I, I would guarantee that that would not, that prince, they might be counter, they might be cross-referencing the word, but not the person. <clears throat> well, I know the point of the parable of the marriage feast is that God is inviting people into his, the, what they call the general call. Come, all you late, and I'll give you rest. Not everybody's going to come. That's the general calling, you know. And those that reject the general calling are like the people in this parable that reject the call to come to the marriage feast. They are, they fall, they fall under judgment. You know, they've turned their back on the king. So they will be judged by the king. That's what 22 is talking about in a real nutshell. Right. Yeah, I know. And sometimes I, I, one time, which is why I don't recognize this particular Bible, I went through a, what they used to be years ago, a Thompson chain reference Bible. Most of those chain references make no sense at all. <laughs> I don't know who Thompson was, but he could have done better than that. Come on. And it just, it just take you over and go, what's the connection? Sometimes there is none. And we don't know unless they explain it to us in those. See, that, that's, there's, there's uh, pros and cons. There's strengths and weaknesses to every quote-unquote study Bible. So you just don't know sometimes what the, what the reference is. And then Luke 21, that's the, Luke 21 is the Olivet Discourse, which we're going to be getting into which corresponds with Matthew 24 and 25 and Mark 13. Luke 21 corresponds directly 
to Matthew 24, 25, and Mark 13, because they're talking about the exact same thing, where Jesus is answering the disciples' question, what, when is your kingdom coming? What are the signs of your kingdom, and when is it coming? And that's the answer. And you put them all, you put them all together, and you just have to look at this. And each writer has its own, his own perspective as to what he's trying to teach us. So. But that's where, that's where the, those three are linked together. And uh, I've got that in my notes today. Looking at the, the old clock on the wall, it's probably going to be next week. Well, it's the way it goes. You know, I don't, I don't want to rush through this stuff. It's, it's confusing enough. So what I'm going to do then, um, <clears throat> we're going to go ahead then and just start right with this. I may... Uh, put together a whole new uh, handout for tomorrow, <clears throat> next week, tomorrow. Time goes so fast, it might as well be tomorrow. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> and just we'll just start talking about the tribulation. Matter of fact, I think I may take it from the Olivet Discourse. That's a good way because the Olivet Discourse, especially in in you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it takes us from the church age, and runs us right into the tribulation period. And um, we'll see you next week on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, seeing that, well, it's, it's time, seeing that there's no more questions, we have, we, we have, <laughs> like I say, the clock says we got to go to come with the hook, you know. So let's, let's close. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this word. And we just pray, Lord, that uh, as we study this, even much of this stuff where we personally aren't going to be involved in it due to your grace, we just pray, Lord, that you would give us a deep, deep appreciation for your word, a love for it, and on, as a result, a greater love for you. Again, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.